This episode of Echoes in the Bones is brought to you by the Institute of Cultural Policy and Innovation, ICPI. ICPI, providing services in business development and coaching. ICPI, leaders in online training in event planning and intellectual property. Visit our website today at www.icpi-ja.com. Welcome to another episode of Echoes in the Bones. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Alex Becker, inventor, scientist, writer, speaker, and entrepreneur. Alex has written several books, including 25 Mistakes to Avoid as a Director, A Pocket Guide to the Board of Directors, 25 Mistakes to Avoid as a Leader, and most recently, A Pocket Guide to Surviving the Executive Suite, and 101 Clues on How to Live a Happy Life. And we'll be talking to Alex about that book in particular. He's also the co-founder of two technology companies, Dresit and Qless. Alex, it's my honor to have you on the show. Pleasure's all mine, Dennis. Thank you for having me. So tell me about yourself. Uh, your, your resume is amazing and you have done a lot. So tell us, tell us a little about Alex. I was born and raised in Argentina. I lived for three years in Peru. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved to the U.S. Uh, to go to Boston to attend MIT. I lived there for two years. Then graduated and uh, drove across America to establish myself in California to get a PhD at Caltech or the California Institute of Technology. And then started work as, as a scientist here in California uh, with a joint appointment between uh, Caltech and uh, DOE lab uh, called Sandy National Labs, part of the Department of Energy of the United States and uh, became an entrepreneur and have been an entrepreneur ever since. Okay. So you have a lot of inventions on your belt and patents. Could you tell us about some of those? Well, I can tell you what uh, something I've been working on recently that actually could be um, interesting in Jamaica. So it, it's a company called Drizit that is a platform for a remote drone control. So it allows anybody to share their drone on the network uh, and get paid to let other people fly the drone from anywhere in the world using their phone or their computer. So it's uh, you can think of it as a remote vision platform that allows you to uh, see anywhere in the world, provided that uh, somebody has a drone there uh, that they're willing to share. What about the, the other thing that I knew you for initially, which was QLess? Sure. So QLess is a platform to eliminate waiting in line. I really don't like waiting in line. Uh, and so back in 2006, I invented a way for people to join a virtual mobile line from their phone, roam freely while they wait, and then get notified predictively as their turn approaches so they can show up just in time for service. And QLess has now saved hundreds of millions of waits in all kinds of places, universities, government institutions, retail, urgent care, restaurants, and, and others. So it's not usual for a man of your scientific background to get into entrepreneurship. Usually scientists are the inventors and they have the patents, but what inspired you to become an entrepreneur? Mm, that's a good question. I was encouraged by um, Craig Johnson, my uh, mentor at the time. Uh, Craig was um, the founder of Venture Law Group and um, a key figure in the early days of Yahoo and and the Silicon Valley ecosystem. And um, when I showed him some of my inventions uh, and asked him if he thought there was there was enough there to start a company, 
Well, the first answer I got from uh, Craig's partner, Michael Siegel, a fellow Caltech PhD, was there's enough here to start several companies. Uh, and then Craig encouraged me to become the founding CEO uh, while we were looking for, I was really looking to hire a CEO. So I, I, I just decided to take the, take the plunge and try, uh, I like to try new things. And this was something new and, and fun. And I, I like the process of turning an invention to uh, giving life to an invention and turning it into a company and uh, giving safe to that company. So it's, it's, it's a fun process. So was it a steep learning curve from science to business or you had a, a, a kind of understanding of, of, of the, the, the business side before? Yeah, there was definitely a learning curve, I think. My my dad had been in business his whole life and my mother's an entrepreneur. So I think I had breathed uh, some of that just from conversations with them all the time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's definitely a lot to be learned. All right. So when did you become an author? <laughs> you know, I know, I know it's fine for us as, as academics to, to do papers, but you have written a, a several books that are not necessarily academic books. How did that come about? So this book, uh, 101 Clues to a Happy Life, came about, I, I, uh, I wanted to write this book for my children. I have three kids, and I was uh, thinking of taking an expedition to Africa, along the west coast of Africa, from uh, Cairo to Cape Town. Uh, and I thought it was just um, dangerous enough of a trip that I should write, uh, write up what I would have taught my kids, you know, in case I don't come back. Uh, and so I started writing. And, and I actually have not done that trip yet. It's still in the bucket list. My kids turned uh, 18 and 21 last year. And so I thought that was as, as good a deadline as any to really uh, get this book done and, and give it to them as, as one of them headed off to college. And the other one is graduating actually this weekend. Uh, and so I uh, put pen to paper and, uh, and got that done. And once I finished the book, initially I, I made a, a print of, uh, of just you know, three, one, one for my son, one for my daughter, one for me. And then I shared it with Dave Harrison, who is, uh, who is a publishing uh, guru who's been involved in, in many bestsellers. And he suggested that it might be of interest to, uh, that it would be of interest to other people too. And so I, uh, I published it. And so that's, that's how this came about. So let's talk about some of the, the tips that you outline in the book. Give me three of the most important one ones that that people should always remember well one for example uh relates to leaving your mark right so you know at least once in your life invent something unique that makes the world a better place or get it built and used you know perhaps that means starting a company perhaps it means writing a book perhaps it means recording a song or making a movie or teaching something that matters or, or changing a process but you know just uh, don't don't just we spend so much so much of our life working that you know make make it something that counts that you really care about um, so that you you enjoy that so that that that'd be one of them another one I mean I I think that travel is is really really one of the sources of happiness everybody almost everybody loves to travel and almost everybody tells you they don't do enough of it and so uh, one of the clues relates to how to do that and actually get paid for it and that that is to actually put up your your home for rent on platforms such as vrbo booking.com uh, airbnb and you know use the money that you make renting your place to uh, go find some other place to to live in and that's a way to travel for for free 
and it really gets you, you know, I mean, your first week in Bali will mean so much more to your happiness than another week at your home. So that's, that's another key one. I think a, a third one is, you know, make sure you have lots of sex. There, there's a pandemic going on in the world and it's not the one that people are talking about. You know, the, the people are having less sex than uh, ever before, particularly in countries like the UK and the United States. And uh, that is a, it's a, it's a great and overlooked source of happiness. You know, if, so, so that's, an, that's another one. That seemed to be my kind of book. What, how important do you think it is to, to, to do work like this, to inspire people? You know, it's, it's because we're living in a really trying time. How is it important? Why do you think it was, why do you think it was very important for you to, to write a book like this? Well, uh, the, the, the surveys on happiness suggest that people, at least in the United States, are, are you know, at a record low levels of happiness. And so I think that it's particularly important to remind people, you know, what it is that they can do to be happier. There, there are concrete things you can do on a daily basis that will make you happier. Um, yeah. and, and so I think that, you know, the, the pandemic has been hard for people. And, and there's also um, a search for a, a lot of the younger generations really searching for meaning in their career in their life. And, uh, you know, that's led to the great resignation. And so I think it's, it's as important as ever to help people be happy. Is, is technology to be blamed for some of this unhappiness or is it, is it just other factors? Because a lot of people are blaming technology for loss of jobs, for pe- people being introspective and relying on technology more and there's less interpersonal activities what, what what's your what, as a scientist? What is your your position on this? Yeah, I think technology is a double-edged uh, sword. So it it affords you know more more affordable quality of life than ever before. You know, I think that more people now have hot water and electricity and heating and you know and are able to travel. And so there's a lot of great things about technology. Well, first of all, I mean, it's too much time in front of a screen without personal contact that that certainly does not contribute to happiness. And so. That's one thing to be careful about. And in terms of jobs, yes, technology displaces some jobs, but it creates opportunities for others. So, you know, it's it's our task to to look for ways to use technology. You know, there, as long as there are people with needs, there will be jobs, right? For people who are thinking about how to fulfill them, it just shifts the landscape shifts in terms of what those jobs are over time and as technology evolves. As we're talking about jobs, Web three point two, you're a, you're a futurist. You have predicted several things. And they've they've come about. What's what's the future of jobs? What are the new 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 jobs that are going to be a reality? Say in the next five years that are not here now. We have seen an exponential increase in terms of new ways to to be employed and new ways to be productive based on the technology. Tell us some of those that you think will be a reality in short order. I think that the best advice I can give people who are looking for jobs is to make sure they approach their search as a global search, right? Uh, I think for too long, people have been looking for jobs in, you know, in their home city, in their home country. But today, and more than ever, People are ready to hire anywhere, right? The, the, the workforce is already distributed, is already remote. And so, you know, I, I might as well, you know, I can, I, I might not see somebody that I hire, in, you know, in Los Angeles much more than I see somebody that I hire in Jamaica. 
And so, uh, and there's, there's huge opportunities here, particularly because of the differences in, in this, you know, the standards of living and exchange rates, you know, that, you know, you can, you can, you know, if you can earn in dollars or pounds, uh, you know, in a place like uh, Jamaica, that goes a long way. Yeah. Um, so that, that I think, I think there's going to be a lot more of that. There's, there's already a lot of that, but I would say that still most employment is, is sort of within national boundaries. And I think that will change. I think that employment will routinely, uh, you know, cross national borders, you know, much more than it does today. So that's one. The s- second thing I think is there will probably be more and more uh, freelance work where the, you know, the, the worker is in charge of their own, uh, you know, schedule more. Uh, they're working for several different projects uh, that are not all in the hands of the same uh, company or employer. So that, I think that that, that that does lead to more happiness because it leads to, it, it brings variety and variety is the spice of life. And so I think that's the second thing, you know, clearly, you know, software is eating all industries. And so computer programming is something uh, that is definitely, you know, continues to grow. But then again, it's also reaching, you know, it's becoming easier and easier for non-technical programmers to create uh, software. And so that will continue on the rise as well. So those are a few of the of the trends that I, I I see, and definitely people being able to you know people taking more and more advantage of living in the nicest places rather than just in the places that are close to the the biggest concentrations of jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know when I I, I just came back from Bali uh, last week, and I spent um, a couple of days uh, near the rainforest in the mountains. And it was just, first of all, the food was so fresh, delicious, and the air was clean and just, you know, so much nature, you know, birds and sounds of animals and green. And then, you know, as you come back, uh, you know, into so-called civilization, it's so, so quickly becomes to me much, much less appealing, right? You know, traffic and it just uglier really i mean civilization is so much uglier than nature and so i think that you know why do people congregate i mean part i think they congregate for two reasons because they like interaction but we can interact with people um in in all kinds of ways now and because they're looking for jobs and and you know we can fulfill jobs remotely now so i predict that more and more people will live uh, and choose to live in beautiful places not not piled on top of each other as they did today. So in in a, in a in a in a sense that capital will have to start renegotiating with labor at at all levels in terms of the the the, the arrangements in terms of the exchange because what you're saying is that people are now going to look at quality of life over position and and job prestige. And, and try to achieve a, a, a greater balance. That would that would necessitate capital or big corporations or even small businesses renegotiating how they, they work with with labor. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think there is a there is a, I mean, the, you know, employment in the U.S. right now is very um, you know is almost full employment. So people do look for creative ways. Um, you know, to reward um, their workers that they didn't look for before. A friend of mine uh, is, um, Kinesh Patel is a co-founder of a company called Seven Rooms. They offer their employees a vacation before they join, they start working. 
you know, that you, you wouldn't have heard of that before. Right. And that's, that's a way, a creative way to differentiate themselves in, in a competitive marketplace. That's, that's interesting. So things like machine learning, AI, and any other invention that will come about, is it inevitable that it's going to change the world and is it going to be changing the world for the better or is it, is it a mixed bag? Uh, well, it is inevitable that it, uh, it is changing the world and it will continue to. And I think for the most part, it's for the better. I think if you look at the way the standard of living of people today, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's not, you know, it's not uniform and it's, uh, there are definitely places that are lagging um, behind and people left behind. But overall, the number of people who, you know, die of, uh, of disease today is much less than it was before. The number of people uh, with access to sanitary water is more than it was before. The fact that we have, you know, light to read any time at night is is a plus. The fact that we can travel all over the world is a plus. So there, there are lots of things that uh, technology has improved on. If you talk specifically about machine learning and AI, I remember, you know, when I came to the U.S. years ago, anytime you got a a machine uh, to answer the the phone and, you know, navigating one of those phone trees, you were trying to get rid of it. I mean, particularly somebody like you or I, who didn't have the typical Anglo-Saxon accent, you know, there was no way it was understanding us. And so we were just pressing zero, zero, zero until we finally got a human. These days, I tell you, I, I most of the time I get better results with a, with a machine than I get with a human. <laughs> I'm trying to, how do I get a computer? Right. And so that's definitely, I think, progress in that particular domain too. Yeah. So how about the issue of places like, say, for instance, Jamaica, where it's a developing country. And as you, as you mentioned, in terms of distribution of technology, it is kind of an imbalance. So how do we, how do we solve these problems? Because it, the, the more people get to participate in the, the, the new technologies, participate fully in internet, having great internet access without the, 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 the algorithmic biases and all of these. How do we address those issues from, from where you stand? First, I, you know, I, would, I would challenge the notion of, you know, of countries sort of left behind or, or underdeveloped because in, in some areas, you know, Jamaica is, you know, has a lot better quality of life than places in the U.S., right? So, I mean, you know, the, 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 the this aroma of, um, uh, you know, blue mountain coffee and the, the, the beautiful coastlines you guys have and the blue lagoon, you know, those are, and, and, and the amount of, um, you know, the, the enjoyment of that, of the quality of life that Jamaican has you know, maybe unrivaled, you know, p- people in the U.S., for example, don't take as, as much vacation as people in other countries uh, do. And so that's, so, th- so, so GDP is not the only measure, uh, it's certainly not, uh, you know, a measure of happiness, um, and uh, it's not the only measure of development. And so, so I think that, uh, you know, Western, um, Northern countries, you know, tend to uh, measure things on a scale of, uh, you know, development. But, I mean, you go to a place like Bali, and, you know, I think, people's um, mindset is in some ways way better uh, than the one you find in places like the United States in, in many ways. So that's the first thing I would say is, you know, don't, don't ignore some of the gifts that the countries like Jamaica have in terms of just knowing how to enjoy life. But to your other, uh, to your question about how do you, um, you know, bring, how do you close some of the, you know, economic uh, gaps 
I think, first of all, the establishment of this global remote work economy will help because it will allow a qualified Jamaican to have, you know, the same job than, than a qualified American can from, from wherever they want from Jamaican. So that, that will help equalize economic power. The second thing that will help is globalizing education, right? So uh, universities like uh, MIT are putting their curricula online, you know, in many cases, freely available. And I think that that trend will continue, right? I think it, there is, you know, when, when, uh, education is an area I, I care a lot about. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of change needed and a lot of opportunity. You know, today, we learn from our local, te- you know, each kid learns from their local teacher in that teacher might be great at teaching that subject or, or might be not so good. But in an age of video and the internet, there's really no reason that each kid and every kid could not be learning from the very best teacher of each lecture in the world, right? So you could learn, you know, physics from Richard Feynman and chemistry, you know, from Linus Pauling and, and so on. And, and, and that, I mean, think about the possibilities, right? Think about what the one subject that you learned from a really inspiring teacher, what a difference that made. And if every kid could have access to that, what we would do to level up the, the education and therefore the, the level of possibilities from people to do. And so if we bring that global workforce and level it up in education, that's, that can have a huge impact. And I think that's the best thing uh, we can do. Okay, so I want to know a little bit about more about you. You, you speak several languages. I do. What? What? T- tell us about that. My native language is Spanish, and and I I speak as uh, French and, and German uh, too. And I, 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 yeah, I dabble I dabble in a little bit of Italian, but that's not good. How oh, oh, that came about? Was it in school or travels? Or- um, yeah, it was. It started in. Uh, I started French in school and at the Alliance Française uh, back in Peru. I started German at the Goethe Institute, uh, also in I think in Peru, and then continued to practice them by meeting people from other countries by traveling and so on. So, seeing as though you're going to be coming to Jamaica a lot after this, you'll soon learn Jamaican. I, I, have to, I, I have to tell you, uh, you know, when I when I heard uh, when I was there and you know heard Jamaicans speaking uh, pidgin to each other, I was like, "What language is that?" And when they said it's English, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were talking about how to, um, you know, how do you get Jamaicans to earn more? Um, and one way for Jamaicans to earn dollars is, uh, you know, if you uh, put up a drone in an interesting, beautiful place in Jamaica and put it on the Drizzt network you can start earning dollars from, you know, people all over the world who may want to see a little piece of your beautiful country. So I would encourage people to look up drizit.com uh, and contact us if they, if they want to look at that. And other than that, just, you know, if you want to be happy, look, at, uh, look up 101 Clues to a Happy Life. Let me know if there's a clue that particularly resonates with you. And it's available on Amazon and online, right? It is. Okay. Alex, it was great talking to you inspiring and on echoes in the bones we talk about culture industry technology and entrepreneurship and you embodied all of those so thanks for being on the show thanks for having me Dennis. it's a pleasure thank you for listening if you enjoyed that episode please subscribe to the show and give us a five-star review and even drop us a comment if something really stood out to you